بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم رحمد کریم اما بعد الحمد للہ محرم So inshallah, the blessed day of Ashura will be on Friday, next Friday. So inshallah, I will give you the details as we get closer to that blessed uh, day. So the last thing I mentioned was a brief bio of some of the renowned students of the great Ibn Mas'ud. Radiyallahu. It is well known. That when Sayyidina Ali was ushered into the high post as Amir al-Mu'mini, he had relocated and made Kufa his capital. Upon arrival and seeing the sacred knowledge flourishing there, he had spontaneously made a heartfelt supplication for Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who had passed away by that time. So, Like I mentioned, Kufa became a center of learning. But the Khilafat became the center of Kufa became the capital when Ali left Al-Madinah. But when he got there, he saw extremely learned people. And who did he make a du'af? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu. Consider thus the following heartfelt words of some of the students of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. in praise of their recently departed spiritual guide and mentor. In Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 5449, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat, volume 3, page 110, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 79 to 80 of the New English Translation, Imam Sayyuti, rahmatullahi, in his Miftah al-Jannah, page 132 of the New English Translation, Habba ibn Jawain, rahmatullahi, he said, We were once sitting with Sayyidina Ali when we quoted some words of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. The people praised him and they said, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, we have never seen a man with a better character nor anyone who teaches as compassionately nor anyone who was better company nor anyone more pious than Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Radiyallahu. Stop in the report. So the gathering in Kufa and Amir al-Mu'mineen was present, Ali radiyallahu. And the people, they started talking about Ibn Mas'ud. So some of the students said to Ali, we've never seen a man with better character who's so compassionate in how he teaches, no better company, more pious than Ibn Mas'ud. At this, Sayyidina Ali said to them, I now appeal to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let me know if you are saying all this from the depths of your hearts. They replied, indeed. So now it's interesting. Notice Ali is confirming things now. Why? Because 
It's a place also of intrigue. People are lying. So he, he put them on oath. He goes, swear on oath you're speaking the truth to me from your very heart. Because indeed, upon this Ali responded, Radiallah, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I also call upon you to stand witness that I too have the same view and an even more supreme one. So stop in the court. So could you have added more praise than what they had said about Ibn Mas'ud? And it'd be hard to even add something to what they said. Ali radiallahu said, I have the same view and an even more supreme one, meaning I think is even higher than what you say. Another narration adds, he reads the Quran and differentiated between the halal and the haram. He has a deep understanding of the deen and has immense knowledge of the sunnah. So now think about this. Who is praising Ibn Masood now? Ali. He goes, he had a deep understanding of the deen, immense knowledge of the sunnah. So even the great ones were saying he was indeed such a mountainous soul. And in a slightly different report, Ali who said, he learned the Quran and Sunnah and reached its pinnacle. He is enough as a scholar, I for one and all. Recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer 2-388, Imam Sayyuti in his Miftah al-Jannah, page 85 of the New English Translation. So think about this. Amin al-Mu'mineen, the gate of knowledge, the greatest judge, Sayyidina Ali, whose virtues go on endless. He said that he, Ibn Mas'ud, has learned the Quran, Sunnah, reached the pinnacle. He is enough as a scholar. If only the deviants understood only this much. <laughs> People questioned him because, yeah, he was learned, but his memory started failing towards the end of his life. And he made quite a few errors. And then you get these two views where the Sahaba and the Tabir are putting him in the clouds and you're putting him down to earth. So the response is, you haven't understood who this man is. So the next section is entitled, His Differing with the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Uthman and the number of rakats in Mina during Hajj. So now like I mentioned, in Uthman's Khalifat, there was peace. But in the second half of his Khilafat, the fitness started brewing. And Ibn Mas'ud lived to the time of the fitna. It is related that during one of his pilgrimages, the Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman had increased the two rakats obligatory Salat and Bina to the full four rakats. So now if you've done Hajj, you understand what I've said. If you haven't done Hajj, just go with it. So at Mina, the Imam, if there's an Imam leading the pilgrims, he should offer two rakats. The first time in Islamic history it was increased to four was Uthman. When Abdullah ibn Mas'ud heard this, it grieved him. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 1084, Sayyid Muslim, number 695, Abdul Rahman, Rahmatullah, he said, 
سیدنا عثمان رضی اللہ عنہ سیدنا عبد اللہ ابن مسعود رضی اللہ عنہ I offered salat with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at Mina with just two rakats of salat. I offered salat with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq with just two rakats of salat at Mina. I offered salat with Umar ibn al-Khattab with just two rakats of salat at Mina. I thus now wish I had my share of the two rakats acceptable from the four rakats which were offered. So let's look at this. So this is in Bukhari and Muslim. So there's no doubt this incident took place. So Uthman has increased it to four rakats. He's the Imam of the Hajj. Ibn Masood grieved. How do we know? Because he said that, you know, the famous utterance, verily to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we belong unto him, he shall return. Then he said something very interesting. First of all, this proves he did a Hajj in all of the Khilafats. You know, we do one Hajj, we think, and I'll say, it's over. He did Hajj in the time of the Prophet, Abu Bakr, Umar, and Uthman. How many we don't know? He goes, two rakats with Rasulullah, Mina, sallallahu alayhi wa Two rakats with the two sheikhs, Then he said, I now wish I had my share of two rakats acceptable from the four rakats. So now the question why did Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu increase the number of rakats to four? This was hidden from even Ibn Mas'ud. Otherwise he wouldn't have said what he said. So there's explanation for this. And there's quite a few. In Behaki, in his Ma'rifah, he states, Ta'aliq Hassan, Ibn Asakir, Qanzul Umar, volume 4, page 239. Shaykh An-Nimawi, Rahmatullahi, in his Athar As-Sunan, number 819, stated Hassan, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 307 of the New English Translation. So just the word of, with regards to the authenticity. So this hadith is a very strong report. Imam Behaki said, Ta'aliq Hassan, meaning that it stopped, but it's authentic. And Shaykh An-Nimawi stated Hassan. So what is it mentioned? Abdul Rahman ibn Humayr relates from his father Rahmatullah Ali. Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan he completed the Salat at Mina. He then delivered a sermon to the people and he said, O people, the Sunnah is the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and the Sunnah of his two companions. However, this year, there are many new people and I was thus afraid that they would take it as a sunnah I to offer two rakats even when not traveling. <laughs> so what was the first reason authentic? First of all, did Uthman know that it's two rakats? Yes, he did. Mashallah. So don't, you know, some people might even put that forward. You know, he got old and he forgot. Mashallah. Everybody's forgetting except you. Why did he say he's increased? He said because there's many other people who have attended the Hajj. There's now literally, you know, hundreds of thousands. Mm. And he said because some of them maybe have just recently embraced Islam. They may inadvertently start offering two rakats even when they're not traveling. 
This is a concession. So I offered I the four rakat so they don't fall into that error. That's the first reason. The second. Imam Zuhri said, Imam Abu Bakr ibn Shahab Zuhri rahmatullahi Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu only prayed four rakats at Mina because the Bedouins, the desert Arabs, were more numerous that year. And he preferred to teach them that the prayer is four rakats, I for non-travelers. Mm. This is in Abu Dawood, number 1964, Behaki 3-144, Tahawi. Sheikh al-Nimui, rahmatullahi in his Athar as-Sunan, number 820, stated, Mursal Qawi. So now what's interesting, in terms of authenticity, it's Mursal. And what did I mention yesterday about Mursal? It weakens the report. But Sheikh al-Nimawi, rahmatullahi said, it's a strong Mursal. And that's why Imam Abu Dawood and Imam Behaki records it. So Imam Zuhri, what did he say? He goes, there were Bedouin Arabs more numerous that year, and he preferred to teach them that there's four rakats for non-travelers. Yeah. Another reason, a third, Imam Zuhri rahmatullahi said, Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu only offered four rakats in Mina because he was planning to stay in Makkah after the Hajj. This is in Abu Dawood, number 1961, but this has a weak chain of transmission. So, what was another reason given by Imam Zuhri? He was planning to stay. Why was he planning to stay? I'll explain that in a bit, inshallah. And this is why he offered the full prayer. Mm. Imam Zuhri clarified further, Rahmatullah, when Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu took charge of the properties in At-Ta'if and wanted to stay there, he offered four rakats. Then later leaders followed him in this practice. This is in Abu Dawood, number 1963, again, with a weak chain of transmission. So now you need to know geography. Is Ta'if near Makkah? Mm. Yes, 80 Okay, so it's about 40 miles from Makkah. Imam Zuhri said, Uthman had taken charge, of some property in Ta'if. So it's not too far from Makkah. Mm. It is a certain distance. And he wanted to stay there, considering this now part of his home. Thus he offered the four rakats, meaning as a resident. Then he said, later leaders followed him in this practice. In other words, they're following Uthman. Another reason was given by Ibrahim. He said, Sayyidina Uthman who offered four rakats since he took Makkah as a place of residence. This is in Abu Dawood, number 1962, with a weak chain of transmission. So now what's strange about that? Makkah was where he was born. So what does it mean? It became his place of residence because he did hijrah. Once you did hijrah, you gave everything away for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, they were scared of dying in Makkah. Because we don't want to die in the place we migrated from, even though it's the holiest city on earth, you know, the mother city. So, why? Because he got married there. Where does it say he got married in Makkah? The Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu, had married a woman from Makkah. Those Abdullah ibn Zubair radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messengers reported to have said, sallallahu alayhi wa when a person marries in a town, he should observe the salat of a resident whilst there. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, but again, it has a weak chain of transmission. So if you marry from a certain locality, that is now your residence, according to this hadith. 
So if Uthman did get married from Makkah, it's now he's a resident. So when he's in Mina, Mina is in the perimeter of Makkah. So he has to offer the full prayer, according to this report. So these are the reports. Now let's summarize. In summary, Sayyidina Uthman, as the Imam of the pilgrims, he had increased the obligatory number of rakats in Mina from two to four due to the following three reasons. Number one, the new Muslims may erroneously believe that the shortening of the obligatory prayers in Mina are from the rites of Hajj. But they were only shortened due to traveling. Have you understood? It's not Arafat, Muzdalifah. It's the right of the Hajj to combine there. Mina, it's got nothing to do with the Hajj. It's to do with traveling. That's why they were shortening the prayer. Therefore, you offered the full. Secondly, he was planning to stay in Makkah after the Hajj for a while. Thus, he offered the full prayer. And thirdly, he married from the mother city. Thus, offering a full prayer. Other reasons have also been put forward by the blessed scholars, Rahimahumullah. But to reiterate what did Amir al-Mu'mineen Uthman say in his own words, Radiallah, O people, the sunnah is the sunnah of Rasulullah and the sunnah of his two companions. However, this year there are many new people and I was afraid that they would take it as a sunnah I to offer two rakats even when not traveling. This is in Behaki in his Ma'rifah stated Ta'aliq Hassan Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Umar, Volume 4, page 239. Shaykh Al-Nimawi, Rahmatullah, in his Atala Sunan, number 819, stated Hassan, Ayat Al-Sahaba, Volume 5, page 307, of the New English Translation. So now, why have I given this lengthy clarification? Because people can't control their tongues. <laughs> Far be it, we would assume that Sayyidina Uthman, Dhul Nurain, radiyallahu, would deliberately leave the sunnah. This is what some people actually say. Because he got a bit, you know, dementia towards the end of his life. They just come out with it, what? He goes, you know, he, you know, he didn't mean it. And then he think, astaghfirullah, what are you saying, astaghfirullah? You know, just think what they're saying, what's coming out of their mouths. Subhanallah, I shown even the jurist of this ummah, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, did not initially understand why the Amir al-Mu'mineen had done this. We proved that. He goes, Inna lillahi wa inna But, look how beautiful. It is of the utmost importance to now highlight that Ibn Masood still did not differ with the Amir al-Mu'mineen. Because there's another report. And what did they say? They said to Ibn Masood, You criticized Uthman, then you offered four rakats. Ibn Masood responded, Al-Khilafu Sharr. Differing is evil. Differing is worse. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1084. Sayyid Muslim, number 695. Abu Dawud, number 1960. With the Sayyid chain of transmission. Look at how deep this statement is. The people said, you criticize now... That was a bit harsh. He didn't really criticize. All he said was, Inna lillahi wa Criticize means that you blatantly say he's made a mistake. His words were very, very selective. And he explained that all he said was, Inshallah, I hope two of my records will be accepted. 
very soft, you know, the way he put it. The way they're saying it, you criticize this man and then you offered four rakats. His response, this is so important in today's day and age. Al-khilafu sharr. Differing is evil or it's worse. Subhanallah, note the sagacity of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Why or how? He was teaching through example to all the ummah. What? The Amir al-Mu'mineen must have a good reason to have increased the number of lakats, which at this time is unknown to me. That's what he, what he was teaching. He followed. You only follow if you say, look, I put my trust in this person. He goes, I don't know what the proof is. Look how he's teaching the scholars. He goes, I don't know what the proof is, but he must have a good reason. And then he says, differing is more evil. Don't differ. The Prophet hated when they differed. He goes, I left you united, you separated. So Ibn Masood imbibed that. Subhanallah, a most valuable lesson to all serious students of sacred knowledge. So let me give you one narrative. When does the conversation get heated between Muslims? And it's always with regards to when they differ. You know, it's, you get that heat. So for example, my dad, Rahmatullah, he mentioned an incident back home because he was very young at the time, but there was a scholar called Fiqi Baba. And he was a saint, saint, saintly soul. They'd see, they'd see miracles from him. Because he'd be in the field resting and the cart would be rolling by itself, you know, irrigating, you know, applying the land. People would look at him, what's this? And he could never mind that, because why have you come? So they would come to him, and why? Because he was extremely learned. You know, he was a faqih. And then, what would happen was, he goes, the people would come to him and ask him some question about fiqh. And then my father, Rahmatullah, said, I noticed that there'd be a really, there'd be a really heated discussion. Oh, no, but what about this and what about that? And he would calmly explain to them until the matter was resolved. So what was the sheikh teaching them? He goes, don't differ. Try to understand why the imams have differed here. And when you get to understand why they've differed, your emotions leave you. You realize there's proof. You know, why did I even think there was no proof for that stance? Have you understood? So what was Ibn Masood teaching here? He was teaching that very lesson. The Amir al-Mu'minin must have a good reason to have increased the number of rakats. But at the time, I don't know why he's done that. And that also shows that he was the most learned of man. <laughs> the report says that there were two companions. They were the most learned of the Hajj rites. Uthman ibn Affan and Abdullah ibn Umar. <laughs> So for Ibn Masood not to detect, that's not a normal thing. And yet this shows the status of Sayyidina Uthman. At the same time, you realize it's very easy to speak ill of Uthman. Why is he different? Why, why are you thinking that you know? Why don't you think? There's a very good reason he's different. I don't know at the moment, but I put my trust in Uthman. That's how you're supposed to respond. But people say, why is he left the Sunnah? Well, hang on a minute, who are you? Right? And did Ibn Masood say that? Right? He never said that. So note, you can see now there's differing taking place. Why? Because this was the time when the fitna was now going to start spreading. But you can see it's happening. 
sometimes deliberately by the shayateen and sometimes inadvertently, as mentioned in this, these reports. So all I mentioned today was basically two things. Even though Ibn Mas'ud did not live into the Khilafat of Ali, we still have an amazing statement of praise of Ali for him, which is very important to highlight. Why? Because some shayateen, they say, well, you're mentioning everybody praised him. What about Ali? Our Mawla. And then you respond by saying, well, he died before Ali. Well, then you say, but guess what? He still praised him. Why? Because he praised him when he came to Kufa. He goes, Alhamdulillah, look what Allah bless him that he set the deen in this place. Made my task easier. It's not doing this like magic wand and Kufa is full of ulama. You know, like you get when you watch those films of the Prophet they come to Medina, everybody's waving them uh, green leaves. How did Islam get to Medina? Oh, miracle, brother, miracle. It wasn't a miracle. There was a process that took place for Islam to get to Medina before the Prophet arrived. And similarly, Kufa. There was a process. But who was it? Who was most instrumental? Ibn Mas'ud, but really Umar. Umar was the one who sent him there. Are there any questions you let us? Subhanallah bihamdi is one of Allahumma bihamdi ka ashwala ilaha illa anta astaghfirika tu bilayka wa dhibullahi min shaitan jim Subhanallah rabbi ka rabbil izzati amma yasifun Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Wal-Asr insan lafi khusr Al-Ladhina amanu wa amil as-Sayhat Wa wa asmi al-Haq wa wa asmi al-Sabr Salakallahu